0: So what's funny is, like, we try to get ahead of the coronavirus ourselves here as, as, as much as you can get ahead on a podcast. Obviously, we don't have any emergency response teams like we hope our government has, but right. we're at least going to talk about viral outbreak movies. I mean, that's really what we can do is we can keep you entertained while you sit at home frightened. Um, but so far, your internet still works and your cable TV still works, so that's something to think about. Even though you don't have bread, you can at least be starving... And be entertained while you're starving. Um, I don't know what to say beyond that, but um, <laughs> it's really funny. It's like Dave kind of laid out these hits, and we started watching last week. We did a drama to strain, and so we're like winding everything else up. You know, we'll be talking about outbreak and contagion and like, uh, you know, some other things that are kind of related. We're actually going to get medieval at one point. We'll be talking about uh, the Black Plague or Black Death, whatever that movie is with. Uh, The guy who played Boromir in Lord of the Rings, what's his name? He's in all these Uh, things. He also played, you know, the ill-fated Ned Stark on uh, Game of Thrones. Sean Bean, there we go. Um, We'll be talking about all that stuff, folks, but tonight we're talking about Outbreak, and what's funny about talking about it tonight is it just hit the top ten on Netflix. Netflix's been playing it all week, and now it's in, like, the top ten trending films in the united states like everybody's at home watching out crack
1: open a cold box of wine or pour something cold on ice because it's the binge watchers podcast
0: God's favorite human being, Tom Hanks, has the coronavirus. So I was thinking, like, alright, if Tom Hanks isn't safe, we're all screwed. Because there's no hope for the rest of us if, you know, human number one isn't America's dad. Yeah, exactly. America's dad is quarantined in Australia with his wife, Rita Wilson, right now, infected. So there you go. There's not much hope for the rest of us. And now on with the show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, you know, I think, like, Outbreak is going to be, like, um, Dustin Hoffman's only chance to be an action star?
1: Right? Uh, I think so. I mean, well, they tried, I think, after this, they did Sphere, which uh-huh. I guess was kind of, like, along the same level. But, yeah, this that might be the tops.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're right. He does play a science in that movie, and there's some suspense and action in that movie, but that's more of, like, a science fiction I guess, you know, they're saying that outbreak might be plausible. I mean, definitely, a monkey could definitely introduce a virus to humans. But um, it's fairly over the top. It suffers that great, like, 1990s curse that all the 90s movies have. Which is, like, they're so exaggerated. And the stunts are so out of this world. Like, everything's just bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And you just go, okay, at some point, man, there's too much butter on this popcorn. You know? Yeah, like it, it it falls into a popcorn movie thing for me. Dave Dave did, did this thing a couple of years ago where he's like some movies are like a guilty pleasure and some movies are not just a guilty pleasure, they're also a popcorn movie, which is like essentially you I mean in my mind, I interpret what Dave said is like and Dave can tell you in a second what he actually means by popcorn movie, but in my mind I think of it like okay, you paid for the price of popcorn and that's as good as the movie's going to be. Like it's worth the popcorn. I mean, is that wrong? Is that a good interpretation? Oh, no, it's not of wrong.
1: Your... I mean, sometimes a popcorn movie for me just means just something that's entertaining, but doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it's like a great movie. I mean, you know. Mm. Um, uh, but that, I don't know. Sometimes they cross, you know, uh, to be a great movie and a popcorn movie. Like Gladiator, I think is kind of that.
0: Yeah. Okay, fair enough. And I, and again, I think I said like Gladiator for me is like much more than a much more than a popcorn entry. I think.
1: I, I think it walks the I, I think it walks the line because it's entertaining as hell, but it also has sure. some artistic merit. Um, I, I really I thought this was a genuinely good movie when I was young when I was younger. I haven't I mean it's not bad now, but uh, it's you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's a bit melodramatic. It's a bit um, action centric, but it's also trying to be serious.
0: Yeah, it's like uh, really really exaggerated. And like at one point, like you know they're talking down a uh, a giant. Bombing plane that's armed with like a almost nuclear. It's like it's like one step. It's a hydrogen. It's a hydrogen bomb, I think, or it's some kind of bomb. It's like one yeah. step down from a nuclear bomb. Some kind of bomb, concentrated bomb, and like first of all, I don't think a helicopter can get as high as those planes fly, right? Yeah. But it's not plausible that the guys flying the plane would disobey a direct order and not drop a bomb, and it's not plausible that the other guys would be able to steal the helicopter, and it just happens that the guy. Okay, I guess I should back up and illustrate what is, what is happening. Okay, so in this movie in the 60s, two army doctors show up in a village that's plagued by something called Motaba virus. They have no way to deal with it, so they take a sample of the virus and then they go scorched earth and drop a bomb on the village, kill everybody, wipe their hands clean of it, move on, uh, replicate the virus, store away an antibody or something or um, the vaccine in case they encounter it again jump to modern day uh there's an infected village there's a monkey the monkey gets on a ship and the guy is sharing food with them for whatever reason the guy who works on a boat thinks it's a good idea to share food with a monkey yeah like i mean i mean i guess there's no common sense in the in the mid 90s and then like the monkey gets sold to a dude that just sells monkeys to pet stores played by uh patrick dempsey then he's sick. People are dying very quickly. Like, within two days, they're, like, bleeding out of their eyeballs, and they're dead. So, um, the, the National Guard mobilizes. Those Army guys that were involved in the 60s get word that it might be the same thing, and then they call up their favorite guy who happens to be Dustin Hoffman. And, again, like, they drop the most 90s-type stories into this. Like, but you're right. Like, when I was a kid, I thought this was a much better movie. In my mind, this was a better movie, like, I have only this is my second go-around with the movie, but I remember it yep. being better than it was, and then, like, they immediately drop in a plot where, oh, the, the, the main guy has, like, a relationship problem with his ex-wife, but she's still on his team. I'm like, oh, man, forcing stakes right away. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Forcing conflict that we, we learned, you know, back in the film school days of, like, Conflict 101, like, okay, your main character, he's a, a guy that researches pathology of viruses, but, you know, that's just not complex enough, so... His, t- his, you know, his top researcher has to be his ex-wife and they're about to get a divorce and, th- and they're going to butt heads for an hour and a half. we got to put that in the story. Make sure it's in right. there. <laughs> you know I, I feel like that's what a, like, our instructors would put that Like You're simply telling a story about a guy that's got to fight a monkey virus and then your instructor comes along and says, well, I don't know about the relationships in here. I think you need to put a wife in there. and There's got to be right. some conflict. Yay, you know what I'm saying? So Dustin Hoffman gets his little magic crew together who also includes Kevin Spacey. And um, and if anybody is, like, hating on Kevin Spacey for all the scandal that's been going on, you'll appreciate in this movie, spoiler alert, skip ahead if you don't want to hear it, but um, <laughs> yeah. about an hour into this movie, he gets infected, he's bleeding out of his eyeballs, and dies in a hospital bed, so if you want some, if you're raging on the Kevin Spacey situation in real life, you'll love this movie for that part, you can take a picture of him bloody and, and, and destroyed. Um, anyway, Dustin Hoffman gets his crack team together, and Cuba Goody Jr. is, like, the new rookie recruit, they hear that the Motoba thing's breaking out in another village again, and again, the monkey escapes, you know, like I said, and he boards an Asian boat, and he's on his way to San Francisco or whatever, and it's uh, just kind of hanging out there in the redwood trees or whatever, and, um, I don't think it, at first they know they're looking for a monkey, and no. the army guys are still trying to cover it up, because now one of them's the general and the other one's like a colonel of this special ops team that investigates the viruses or whatever, and doesn't want to reveal, and it's Morgan Freeman, Right, he's the senior officer. Doesn't want to reveal to Dustin Hoffman what he knows. So, right, the virus spreads like wildfire, like pr- pretty much as fast as Corona is spreading in real life. This thing goes really fast, but this thing kills a lot harder than Corona kills. This outbreak monkey disease um, is killing left and right, and um, it's pretty scary because it's like contact. And then at one point, I think it mutates, and then it becomes airborne, and they're then they're just totally fucked at the hospital in this little town. And again, they're considering like. Um, you know, blow, blowing it up again. And uh, you kind of lose the, the hometown feel. But you know what, David? You know what has the hometown feel? You know what feels like America? You What's know what that? feels like home cooking? Is experiencing full plates and full wallets with America's best value meal kit. You're going to get the meals you'll enjoy. And your bank account's going to love it. And it's delivered right to your door. Think of it this way. One meal is the same price as a cup of coffee. That's I'm talking about every plate. I'm talking about every plate's dinners being the cheaper alternative to takeout or delivery. Recipes come together in about 30 minutes. It's definitely faster than a trip to the grocery store and starting a meal from scratch. You're going to have less time deciding what to cook. That means more time spent enjoying good food with your family. Every plate's easy to follow recipes and proportioned ingredients take the stress out of dinner time. Every plate's going to do the meal planning, shopping, and prepping for you. It's going to take the time-consuming guesswork out of cooking. You're never going to have to buy more ingredients than you need because every plate's recipes come with everything pre-measured every plate is constantly expanding their shipment zones check to make sure your zip code is included where they ship out at checkout now I also want to say that these meal kits you've heard about them what are they is it a hot pocket that comes frozen I was actually pretty surprised I I would say I was skeptical at first because like they're expensive then I found out every plate is 50% cheaper than its competitors and nothing's mm. frozen. Everything shows up. It's fresh ingredients. I opened my box. It was like opened like a present on Christmas Day. Honestly, I felt like I was getting rewarded for something. The rewarded of like the reward of just uh, like the effort of ordering fresh food, and it came right to me. Like I was really surprised. I opened it up. You had fresh vegetables. We're talking. There were carrots. There was uh, these little fresh potatoes. The kind that I like. Mm. It was like golden potatoes. There was a raise of cloves of garlic, which really surprised me. I didn't expect to see full cloves of garlic. They had oh. all the proteins in pre-packs. They had these easy-to-follow recipe plans. I think, actually, I beat their standard of a half an hour. I think I got a meal together in, like, 15 minutes. But just blown oh, away. But the freshness, I actually think, is what what sold me on every plate. And what you can do is, uh, folks, if you want to, you can get three weeks of every plate meals for only $2.99 per meal by going to EveryPlate.com. You're going to enter our promo code, BINGEWATCHERS3. I want to let you know again. You want to get this meal delivered three weeks. Every Plate meals, two ninety nine per meal. Go to EveryPlate dot com and enter promo code bingewatchers watchers three. I'm gonna ask my buddy about it. They sent a box to David. David, what do you think?
1: Oh man, it was delicious. I had uh, actually one of the best burgers I've ever had from nice. uh, one of their meal kits. It was right. easy to make.
0: I think that, I think that's like the the main thing. It's like you know we, we put these shows together. We got day jobs. We're working on creative projects, and I think, like, for creative professionals, young professionals, you just can't think about putting together meals. Like, not the way your grandmother did, right? But you can get this sent to you, and if you want to try it out, you can enter our promo code at everyplate.com, promo code watchers 3 But the town in this movie doesn't have the luxury of ordering meals. These people are locked down tight. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, these people... In outbreak, I would say, are having the worst week of their lives. Definitely the worst time of their lives. And then Justin Hoffman jumps in a Humvee, and he's cruising through the town. And at some point, his only concern is no longer finding the va- like isolating the host, getting the vaccine. He's single-mindedly and selfishly, he just wants to fix his wife, who's now infected. And again. They set that stake up early in in the movie because she's on his team of specialists, right? She makes mm. a mistake, she gets infected, and suddenly the movie is about Dustin Hoffman trying to save his wife's character. And one of the most ridiculous things that I think now, as an adult watching the movie, is the pressure he puts on the little girl to tell him where the monkey is. Like like she's gonna save everyone and gonna say he like he like holds her by the shoulders and says. You gotta do this. You gotta tell me about the monkey and everything you can think of because I gotta save my wife who's in a hospital bed, dude. You don't put that kind of pressure on like a eight year old kid, <laughs> you, right. know, you know the mean one. Like, like I mean, there's
1: also like more than just your wife out there dying, like dude. Yeah, yeah. everybody.
0: At this point, like there's thousands of people sick. Like they shut down the whole town. They're the national guards there. You know, like they're separating families because some are infected, some aren't. And and again, Dustin Hoffman, this is his action movie, like there's a major stunt in the movie, you know, his character has to get from the <laughs> yeah. helicopter on top of a life raft that's covered with a tarp so he can get onto the boat where the monkey supposedly came from that started this whole outbreak. And you know, they have uh essentially the side of like the helicopter which is the, we know the side of the helicopter is probably built in a studio and he's in front of like a um, screen or blue Yeah, screen. yeah, probably a blue screen because they weren't really green screen in, in the mid '90s. Or even right. like it could have just been like you remember those big film composites? What do they call those? Like they've blown up the the image in the studio. I mean, and like you're on a like, oh, backdrop. Um, you know what I mean? It could have been. It could have just been a, a backdrop that they put him against, and like so his character jumps, and then like it's a stunt man. So like the biggest setup in the movie is you know jumping from the helicopter to the biggest stunt in the movie. Jumping from the helicopter to the platform on the boat and like that's his stuntman but i'm like so hoffman gets the script right and mm-hmm. folks this is not like hollywood facts or anything we we have some stuff from a cdc guy that watched the movie and we're gonna we're gonna go over this article that i like but for right now i just i just want to bring up like my thoughts on on you know what it might have been i'm just imagining this is like a fantasy scenario hoffman gets the script and he's like w- you know one day I'll, I'll get to be an action star. You know, I'm not as tall as, like, Dolph Lundgren, but, y- you know, one day. Like, I'm only a couple inches shorter than Tom Cruise. He stands on an Apple box. Maybe one day I'll, I'll, I'll get there. I'll get my top gun. I'll, I'll do something. Gets this script. It's full of speeches. At one point, he's like, oh, my God. I'm talking down a plane that's about to drop the nuclear bomb on a town. I got another speech to a little girl. I got this other speech in the jungle. I got at least I got five speeches in the script. Oh, my God. I'm going to jump on a boat. This is it. This is it. This is my fucking diehard. Uh, and this is it. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? <laughs> and Hoffman signs on to the movie. You know, and he's like, who am I going up against? You gotta get me somebody good. Give me somebody good. Or right, you gonna get me a Sutherland. You're gonna give me the old Sutherland. Alright, who else you got? Who You got Morgan Freeman? You, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You got me going up against Morgan Freeman? This is Oscar Bate right here. <laughs> Who's gonna play my wife? Who's gonna play my wife? Is Michelle Pfeiffer available? No? Who's available? Russo. Russo. Put Russo in here. We're okay, okay, he's graduated, he's no longer hitting on the mother, he's got his own little lady, and he's driving Humvees, and he's jumping off helicopters, Hoffman, you made it, you fucking made it, brother, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's pretty over the top, but uh, I know why people are obviously watching it on Netflix, I mean, because there's a pandemic in the actual world that we're living in, currently, <laughs> right, Um,
1: like, straight up, for real, pandemic, like,
0: yeah, dude. The like, first
1: one in over a hundred years.
0: Well, like, you... Like, the, the thing that's really getting my paranoia going is, like, there's no trucks on the road. Like, I'm talking delivery trucks. Like, trucks deliver food and goods to sundries to stores on Wednesdays. I didn't see any trucks on Wednesday, And, like, our major industry in the United States is transportation. I haven't seen any delivery trucks. Um, the bread's gone out of the stores. Uh, most of the milk is gone. And, and like... I see people fighting over pork chops, man, the other day. You know, like, so, it's kind of ridiculous. But the whole fascination with, like, the toilet paper, like, okay, first of all, you're not worried that the American dollar is going to collapse because we're headed into a recession. You're not concerned that nobody's replenishing the actual food that we eat. You're concerned that, what, you're going to shit yourselves to death and you need right. all the toilet paper in the world? Like, not just an average, the amount of toilet paper you buy in a week for your family. You Like, you want all the toilet paper? Like every single roll of toilet paper, apparently. Because I think the thing that's gonna be more valuable than money when the stock market does crash, completely crash, that we'll be trading toilet paper instead of cash, right? Like it won't be it won't be money that's valuable, it'll just be like toilet paper.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Have you had any anything like personally? like you got any stories to share about like what what you think so far? Um, what, I, I don't know,
1: there? man. I that stuff hasn't really hit us here. I mean we're yeah. kind of we're kind of prepared. Uh, we were, um, we had some supplies anyways because of we've had the PGE shutdowns up here. So we've already had like some supplies of food, but we've bought, you know, extra. We've got a lot of dry goods and stuff, yeah. but um, we're not going to go, you know, we have ta- toilet paper on our shelves like here. We've got food. You know, it's getting dwindling, but it isn't completely gone yet here. We just did some shopping yesterday for general stock up stuff. So. Hmm i don't know uh the mania hasn't hit here yet
0: wow fair enough i mean like i'm at hour outside of a city but like today the governor out here in massachusetts just uh um you know declared like uh he shut down all the schools in the commonwealth for at least three weeks
1: yeah it looks like my wife my wife is a teacher and it looks like her school is getting shut down for three weeks wow. um i'm a social worker i literally go into clients homes who fit the bill for the bad uh for being susceptible to this like Mm. breathing issues and shit and i'm like oh my god like i don't get it what if i give it to somebody you know well i mean i
0: heard i heard the government's asking like restaurants and public places to like just shut down completely like i know they canceled like every concert imaginable until the summer maybe who knows like and and and, you know, Hollywood has definitely taken a hit. I mean, like the next 25 movies that are coming out in the theaters have, are canceled, essentially. Right. Including, like, Jurassic Park. It's really, like, part six or seven, but, you know, it has yeah. its own parts because it's called Jurassic World. But we all know it's Jurassic Park because they're, they're direct sequels, which is kind of unique, actually. I mean, you know, yeah. the fact that they're direct sequels. But I'm kind of going off on a tangent. I was going to talk about the Hollywood movies later, but I, I want to... I mean, well, okay, Outbreak was a huge blockbuster type movie. I don't know if it did that well when it first came out. Like, I was reading one thing that said it, it didn't do well, but I always. always thought it did well, so I don't I don't really know. But, um, uh, yeah, this guy, this CDC person says it's pure Hollywood fiction. And, and, and to be specific, I'm talking about Brian Eamon, who's like an ecologist who happens to work for the CDC, um, Center for Disease Control, and he was talking originally to Wired.com or Wired Magazine, um, that, yeah, you see people shaking hands. He's talking about Outbreak, the movie. He said, that doesn't occur in an outbreak area. If there's some kind of greeting, it's elbow to elbow. He's saying the movie is total chaos. It's a mess. It's pure Hollywood fiction. And then he talks about the virus origin scene. He says, "Um, you know, I don't know where to begin. What can I talk about? The fact that there's a South American monkey that they caught in Africa, question mark. He also (laughs) said, generally... The viruses that you've seen in these clips are basically Hollywood fiction, and real-life viruses, if they're out there, are hardly ever, if at all, as fast-acting as what you would see in these clips. And then he goes on to talk about the similarities between coronavirus in real life and outbreak of a film. But the freaky thing is, this guy and another woman who works for the CDC named Tracy McNamara, who is a veterinary pathologist, we're talking about contagion, right, as a uh-huh. comparison. And specifically... Uh, and folks, we're gonna do Contagion too. We're getting to it. Like I said, we have a little viral hits list. We're talking about like the best um, outbreak type movies, right? So they're saying about that movie that they're accurate about the statistic of like touch being an issue. Like it, that the average person touches their face two to three thousand times a day. That um, in Contagion, it, it would take a long time to take of a vaccine because it has to get approved by all these agencies, including the FDA. And it's a lengthy testing process. In, in that movie, I think it, it's kind of fast. In, in, and in an outbreak, it happens in like three seconds. It takes a guy like five seconds yeah. on a computer to make a vaccine. And then it immediately cures the wife. So in reality, if that wife was infected, she probably would die. But again, everything is exaggerated in this movie. Like, you stop a nuclear bomb by dropping it somewhere else. You stop an entire plane with a helicopter. You take a general under a court-martial, which wouldn't happen today. Under the administration no. we have, forget it. No general is probably going to be in trouble for anything. You know, he, he immediately gets taken into custody by his, like, third-in-command, which wouldn't happen. Um, probably Morgan Freeman's character wouldn't, like, give up the cover-up because he's involved in, like, what covered up the virus in the 60s, and I don't think he would give up his cushy position as a colonel. And This sounds really negative, folks, but I just don't think it would happen. <laughs> but, um... Yeah. Uh, it is true that the capacity for animals to carry viruses could infect humans and they're obviously linking you know, the real life coronavirus to an animal market in Wuhan is kind of where we're at and Contagion is a much more disturbing movie than I think Outbreak is. Outbreak is scary because of the violence of the virus like how bloody and terrifying it's kind of horrific yeah. actually some parts of Outbreak but the reality of Contagion like there's a scene in there where people are fighting in the grocery stores. And like I just said in, the, in this podcast, like, I just saw that. Like, literally a couple of days ago, you know, like, watching, like, a soccer mom and a grandmother duke it out for yogurt. And and uh, two ladies, like I said, bumping elbows, trying to get to pork chops. I saw a video online where people were literally bashing each other in for the roll of toilet paper, right? So, it doesn't take much for Americans to, like, really turn on each other. It really doesn't. And we're not even, this is not even, like, the most serious problem that Americans have faced and, you know, but then Mother Nature screws with us, too. Like, I, I'm reading that, like, you know, nature has to balance itself. And, like, every 100 years, it's, like, it's got to tip the population, you know? So so who knows? Maybe it's just the thinning of the herd and It's part of the whole process. Right.
1: I don't, uh, I don't know.
0: Then I was reading, like, you know, one of the first guys, have we were talked about this? Like, the first guy in Jersey that got it, like, refused to abide by the quarantine. Like, they told him to stay home. We volunteered to stay home. And then, like, he immediately went out somewhere. Like, that's the most American thing to do. Right. You're told to be quarantined, but you're American, so, like, hell yeah, America, you know? Like, crack open that's a Bud Light, put your hat on, and let's go. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's Miller time, you know? So, like, totally makes sense that he wouldn't, that somebody wouldn't stay quarantined, at least in the United States. Uh, then I'm reading articles, or... or Well, not articles. Like, I'm reading Twitter posts, which I guess I, I'm calling articles in this example. I don't know why. But, <laughs> but um, uh, you know, I was reading a twitter thing about like uh, you know like other countries are advising their like it was like a Norwegian health board was inviting Norwegians that happened to be in America to try to get back to Norway because our health infrastructure is like non-existent like you know what I mean like our healthcare strategies just aren't there so if you're sure. abroad come home essentially so it's kind of interesting but if you're afraid to go to the store because you're going to catch it if you're afraid to go to a restaurant because you're going to catch it hey, man, just plug in our promo code bingewatchers3 on everyplate.com. Have somebody send your food to you. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, there you go. And if you're bored and you don't know what to watch, check it out. Like In our podcast notes, we have a link. You can get stars for three months, for five bucks a month, so for 15 bucks. You can see all the new movies on stars. That sounds pretty good to me. I don't know. I'm just a binge watcher. What do I know? I'm trying to sell <laughs> snacks and movies on other binge watchers. you think it wouldn't be that hard, but who knows? It's a fickle bunch. Um, so if you like what we talk about, join us next week as we continue this. If the internet exists, if they haven't turned the right. internet off, and, and television exists, we don't know exactly how things you going know, to play out. You know, we really don't. <laughs> um, Dave, uh, let's talk about other things. Let's 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 try to try to like. Oh wait, I guess we should have final thoughts on outbreak. I don't know. I mean, um,
1: it's it's okay. Uh, it's not as good as I remember. Um, yeah. I actually went and watched the episode of uh, the Clerks in the Animated Series afterwards that uh, did basically a whole parody of Outbreak. <laughs> that was entertaining. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I-, I can live without it. Um, I rewatched Contagion already for our next go around, and uh, it's my, I like it's more, I like it more than this one. And I, much like, I like movie. Andromeda Strain more than I like Outbreak, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, I'm surprised.
1: I, I I was looking forward to revisiting uh, yeah. this one, and it is not hold up as well as I would have expected.
0: Right. Hmm. Kind uh, of a bummer. There are quite a few movies I'm looking forward to seeing, and hopefully they actually do get to the theaters. I mean, if this thing gets corrected by April, uh, who knows? I'm looking ahead. I'm looking past all March movies now. I'm looking past April movies. I'm going right into May. Um, there's a movie called Dream Horse coming out with Tony Collette. Have you heard about this one? Mm-mm. So, Dream Horse is, like, a a lady and her community band together to raise a racehorse, and then um, it happens to, like, start to win races. So, um, Dream Horse, yeah, it it seems interesting, and I like Tony Collette, so I'll probably check it out. Oh, yeah. A couple weeks later, like, um, May 29th is The Green Knight, which is, like, a horror movie, but based on, like, King Arthur, Legend type stuff, but it looks like, did you ever see the old Excalibur movie that came out, like, way back in the day? Yeah, yeah, from the 80s. Yeah, it looks really dark and sinister, like that movie. But Sir Gawain encounters the Green Knight, but the Green Knight in here is like a terrifying, horrific, demonic-like presence. And I'm like, wow, like a medieval horror movie, that's kind of cool. The only thing that has ever really done that before was like maybe Army of Darkness, right? Yeah, that's about it. And then uh, same week, May 29th, is The Irresistible um, with uh, Steve Carell. And that's, have you seen the previous for this? It looks really good. Like, he tries to get, like, a, a veteran to run for mayor of the town. Uh. You, have you seen the previous for that?
1: No, I haven't seen it. The it's more like a comedy,
0: but it looks like it's going to be pretty good. And then, like, it looks like this guy used to be, like, a, some kind of, like, presidential campaigner or something. Like, he leaves, like, the establishment, but then, like, his competition follows him, right? And he's supporting somebody else for the mayor candidate in that town or whatever. Oh, so it looks interesting. Um yeah. And then, uh, what's her name? Miranda Julie is coming back with a new film called Kajillionaire, which is about, like, career criminals or petty criminals um, played by Richard Jenkins. Like, they're the mom and dad. Richard Jenkins and Deborah Winger, whose adult daughter has been raised by them just to be, like, into these con artist type things. It's Evan Rachel Wood, but the movie's called Kajillionaire. Now, folks, if you don't know Miranda Julie, go back and revisit this movie, um called me and you and everyone we know yeah and it also has god what's his name john hawks john hawks thank you so much david because i didn't want to miss out on giving him a plug because he's awesome he's a great actor and miranda julie is like this poetic filmmaker and there's only a couple filmmakers that that um i think have like i have something in common with them i don't know if we share an aesthetic because they're obviously different and i don't want to put myself like into their category. Like, I don't want to be disrespectful by saying, like, I could be like this filmmaker, but some of the things that she does and the way she tells stories as far as, like, the writing of it, like, I really connect to that stuff. And, like, right. um, one of my friends has said, like, oh, you're a little bit like Lena Dunham with this tiny furniture thing. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, if you're going to compare me to a female filmmaker, it'd be, like, the lady who made, like, First Cow or, or like, Kelly oh, Yeah. And if we're talking big budget, I've written some, I mean, we were talking earlier about exaggerated 90s movies. I have a couple of exaggerated scripts that, like, Catherine Bigelow could do, you know what I mean? But um, I really love Miranda Julie, and I guess I'm kind of going off on another tangent. This is a very tangent episode, Dave. Sure, <laughs> it's <all right. laughs> but it's entertaining as heck. And uh, and so those are the movies that, like, that I'm, that I'm looking forward to. And then, oh, well, obviously, the movie that I'm, the, the movie that I'm, the biggest movie I'm looking forward to is Ghostbusters 3, which comes out, like, in July sometime, so.
1: As long as it doesn't get postponed.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, who knows, dude, who knows what's gonna happen, and, like, and they're talking about if theaters can rebound from being closed, you know, for three to six months, like, they don't really know if that'll right. destroy the market, and, and they'll just be done, I, I, who, who knows, but to be honest with you, like, theaters are kind of, like, they're gonna fold like the video store model. You know, they're just yeah. gonna be gone. And it's gonna be like we'll be talking about it on a porch drinking lemonade and, and you know you know what I'm saying? And nobody will know what the hell we're talking about, you know? But like that's that's the way it's going. Um it's like streaming. Yes.
1: Stream
0: stream it or don't show it, you know. Is the way things are going. But that's all right. Everything changes over time. I mean, you know. Heck, I mean we're podcasting. What was that? Ten years ago, wasn't it, You know what I mean? What was a podcast? Right. You know? So, you go. Anyway. Listen, if you like what you've heard, please tune in next week. The Binge Watchers will be back. You know, God forbid, like, a major something happens. But I'm pretty sure during quarantine you can still podcast as long as they don't shut down the internet. You know? <laughs> which is, which is like, kind of, uh, like, that'd be my fear. That they would take technology away because something serious is really happening. You know?
1: Right. Oh, God. That'd be, oof. Please don't.
0: Wouldn't be great, you know, because binge watchers like to watch things. So, that (laughs) was, yeah. Oh, and also survive. Survival's also good as well. Don't get me wrong.